Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sidious Mac Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I get the chance to chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. This is an Olympic year, so make sure you smash that subscribe button to stay up on all of the interviews that we'll be bringing you on this feed. A quick thanks to anyone who has taken the time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. A few of my favorite podcasts give their listeners a shout out when they leave a review. So I wanted to start doing that at the top of the show as well. If you want yours to be read, leave us a five-star review and let us know why you love this show. This one comes to us from Music Buddy. Been listening to Sidious Mag for years now and the growth of this team and what they're doing for track and field is outstanding. The team provides a diverse wealth of knowledge, expanding from primarily distance running focused to covering it all, the sprints, field, distance, and roads. They are great storytellers, provide a more broad analysis of each event, and clearly have a lot of fun doing it. I have loved track and field since I was a kid, and Sidious Mag brings the sport to life. Cannot recommend their work more. Thanks to Music Buddy for leaving that review. I swear to God, I was not the one who wrote that. They nailed our mission. All right, let's get into our guest. Welcome back, fan favorite Scott Fobble to the show. This is now his seventh appearance on the podcast. We've had a little tradition of chatting after his big performances at the New York City or Boston Marathons over the years. We decided to chat ahead of the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials in Orlando, where he's expected to be one of the top contenders in the men's race once again. Scott owns a personal best of 208.52 from his seventh place finish at the 2022 Boston Marathon. He backed that up with another top American finish last year, again in seventh place. Last fall, he went to Berlin to chase the Olympic qualifying standard, but had to drop out after 30K. We talk about that race and how he picked the pieces back up. There's been plenty of confusion from fans about the state of U.S. men's marathoning and how many people will qualify for the Olympics. So the top two are assured spots in Paris as long as they run under 2.11.30. The third spot is also likely headed to Paris, but we won't know for certain until May. A lot depends on world rankings. Scott's world ranking is currently within that quota that will unlock in May. He's been training hard in Boulder under coach Joe Bossard. He's been cranking the heat up in the treadmill room in the team boss gym and doing tons of heat training. He's confident. He's feeling good. So I'm excited for everything that's going to go down in Orlando. Be sure to join the Sidious Mag team in Orlando as we partner with Hoka for some events on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday leading up to race day. We've got a big group run with our friends at Believe in the Run on Friday at 5 p.m. from the Sidious Cafe at 151 East Washington Street. Try Hoka's newest racing shoes, get some free Jenny's ice cream, throw back some Olipops with us. Hit us with your predictions. It's going to be a blast. All right, without further ado, here is Scott Fobble. The people have waited a while for yet another appearance on the Sidious Mag podcast. Welcome back. Scott Fobble, how how are things going with you? Now we're less than a month away, a couple weeks away. Are we in the taper phase or not yet? 
Uh, we got a couple more, uh, a couple more days of full volume, and then bring it down with two weeks to go. Nice. And everything feeling good? Yeah, yeah. Training's been good. Um, body feels good. Um, yeah, in a good spot. The biggest thing people were probably wondering is, do you understand the qualifying process? And I guess, what are you telling yourself at this point with a couple of weeks to go? You know, the, the USATF changes a couple things. It doesn't make all that much of a difference. I'm going to guess what you're going to say. And you're just like, you're just in it to win it. And that'll be hopefully more than enough to, to get on the team. So this whole mess about qualifying, what have you made of the whole thing? I looked into it over the summer. I got a good grasp of what the situation was. Um, that led me to my decision to run Berlin in the fall. Um, I have not read or nor do I care to read the most recent like updates. Like that's a future me problem. Like that's not the only thing I can do right now is focus on the trials. So um if that information isn't like going to serve me in the short term, I don't really feel the need to like dig into it and stress about it. Like we're going to, if we're going to cross that bridge, if we have to. Um, and like, from what I've gleaned is like, it won't affect me anyways. Cause like, I'm not running Boston, whether I qualify for the, like, unless I'm not going to run Boston or another marathon between the trials and the Olympics unless I have to, to make the Olympics. Like if I'm on the outside looking in, I'm not going to go do that. So, uh, I guess it's just sort of just in the ether. I don't really know what the point of that is, but again, I haven't looked into it at all. So like, I might be way off on my interpretation of like reading a couple tweets here or there. Yeah. That's what I was also thinking. It's sort of like, everyone's been talking about your particular world ranking yeah. in the last couple of weeks going into Houston. If this happens, Bobble will move up or move down based on this stuff. You have not paid all that much attention to it. I know I'm like about 68th in the world rankings. And I know that there's a big difference, a big drop off between me and 80th. Um, but we obviously need to survive, uh, you know, like Rotterdam, Hamburg, Seville, Boston, London, Prague. Tokyo. One thing everyone forgets about is the trials are almost always quick. Um, even in Atlanta, when it was like 30 mile per hour winds on a course where you gained and lost 1800 feet of elevation, like Jake Riley ran 210, you know, like unless this course is, or unless the day we get is like 80 degrees and 70% humidity, like it's probably not going to be an issue from a 211 standpoint, 211.30 standpoint. Um, so, you know, it's all, we'll make the decision tree has not gotten to the point where we've got to make any choices at this point. So it's just getting ready for the trials. And, um, you know, I think if I run well, run as well as I can there, then that will take care of it. I've been seeing all the treadmill footage and the attempts to make it hot in the room. I guess take us through a little bit of your training. What have you been doing in that, in those particular instances? And then how much of it, you know, have you been just normal runs and workouts? Like what has been your training structure in, in this build look like? We've been doing a lot of stuff on the treadmill, um, particularly like some threshold workouts, but uh, we've been doing um, our hot threshold workouts in the gym. We've been able to get it up to, you know, 
80 to 85 degrees and about 60% humidity by the end of the workout. And we're tracking things with heart rate and um, like a core body temperature. So uh, we've had a good check on um, our effort. And then, so we've been getting those sessions in and then uh, like once or twice a week, on one of my doubles, I'll crank up the temperature in the gym and do like 45 minutes on the treadmill and then got get straight into uh, like a sauna blanket, which is like basically a heated sleeping bag. And I wear like, a you know, one of those like old school sauna suits in the sauna blanket. So I get end up getting about 90 minutes of heat stress. Um, and between those two things, it ends up being two to three times a week. And I'll probably do one or two, uh, extra sessions in the last couple of weeks here before just to keep the adaptations up and we've seen good progress. Like so if you can track the, the core body temperature, like um, it takes me like longer and longer to get into the like 101, 102 degree body temperature range, which is a good sign. Um, and just anecdotally, like I'm sweating way more. I feel more comfortable when it gets hot and um Yeah. When all of this has been devised, like what is it preparing for? Is it just the worst case scenario of, of, of how hot it could be? Or, you know, ideally, you know, when Joe is saying, all right, we're doing this for this reason, what is the race that you're envisioning that all this preparation is going into? I think you need to prepare for, well, it's two things, right? Like, I don't think, um, we did like a little camp at Nike where they talked about, um, like heat adaptation and nutrition and some other things as well. And um, like the way to get the best heat adaptations is to get your body temp into the one ones for a prolonged period of time. Uh, and so we have to get it up that high just to see the most adaptation. Yeah. So that's really what the impetus is coming from. Like we're preparing, we're training to improve fitness, not necessarily like, because we think those will be the conditions in the race. But I do think we've been able to train in conditions like probably worse than what we'll see in Orlando. Um, especially cause like in the gym, we don't have the fans going when we have the heat on. So with no like moving air, uh, you feel much hotter than, um, you would if you were moving through air and you were getting some evaporation. So that Nike, I guess, call or, or, or meeting that you're part of is that you with some of your biggest competitors or was it pretty tailored to uh just you yeah it was three days on the nike campus um a couple months ago uh and it was me and galen and connor and um kira and nell was there and um gabby rooker was there and then the uh the Dreamweavers program which is a, like a group of women that they supported um, to kind of get to the Olympic trials as well as a few, uh, like Nike staffers who have hit the trial standard and will be running as well. They got all that information as well. How much new stuff were you learning there? Cause I mean, in the past, we, I remember NAZ days, like you guys went on, you did, you just layered up and would go for, for runs. This is just, it, it feels more scientific. Yeah. Yeah. And it was led by, you know, the, um, Brett Kirby and, uh, mm -hmm. his group up there, um, and Brett Kirby and Brad win. And they're the guys who designed like the sub two attempt and, uh, 
have done a bunch of stuff and do testing all the time with athletes and, um, you know, like just science dudes. Uh, so they gave us their perspectives of it. And, uh, it came from like a very science, um, centric perspective. Like these are the trials that have been done to lead to these adaptations. So we kind of took those results and like implemented them to training where like, you know, in the scientific studies, it's like, we're actually training just to see heat adaptations. And what we're training for, and as you get ready for the Olympic trials is to run a marathon in the heat, which is sort of different. Um, because all, if all you care about is getting ready for the heat, like you can just be in a sauna for a lot of time, but that doesn't necessarily complement doing the actual work to get ready for the marathon part of it, which is the more important part of it. Before Boston, I guess the big thing that you and Emma talked about was like the lactate testing and just like what the numbers told you, what are the testing numbers indicating right now? Um, well, it's a little bit less predictive given the heat. Um, it's most like we've been using sort of the data mostly to keep like a speed limit on it. Um, cause if you think about like, if we want to be doing, let's say two mile reps at half marathon effort, well, like if it's 80 degrees and like, if it's sea level and 40 degrees, I kind of know that's like, you know, 440 pace or 435 pace. But if it's at 5,000 feet, 80 degrees, 60% humidity, like all those conversions, like I don't know how many seconds that is. So if we're just looking at heart rate and we want to be 170s, that's kind of been our, um, the use of those is not necessarily predictive, uh, but it's just to make sure we're not like frying ourselves and we're kind of staying in the zones we want to stay in. Um, Cause I think a lot of people will have trained where they just crank up the heat and try to run the paces that they normally run. And now you're kind of doing a different workout. Um, Cause you're not going to hit the zones you want to hit because you're just increasing the stress. Um, so yeah, we've mostly been using like the data as a, uh, as a speed limit. So with all of this training, you're doing it, solo not all that different from the build-up towards you know berlin or boston before that i guess you did have you know emma you know preparing for a marathon or or, or dom as well but does it ever get lonely i mean like for for you to be doing all this work by yourself no it doesn't get lonely when i'm in boulder um you know i i still live in portland for um most of the year and then it gets lonely sometimes but um I can do my like easy running with a lot of the ladies, uh, the boss ladies. And, you know, if we're in the gym, like Joe's there or, you know, I mean, Joe's almost always there or Nick is there or, you know, some of the other women are on the treadmills. So I wouldn't say it gets lonely. Really the only time I'm like completely, completely alone is long runs. And that's fine. I can be alone for, you know, two and a half hours at a time. That's not that big of a deal. It sounds more like a question for Joe because of how big the team already is, but has there ever been, you know, a consideration for a training partner for, for you? Is that something you would want? I'm open to it if it's the right person. I mean, you know, I don't um, feel like that's my call necessarily to make. I'm not recruiting anyone, but um, if someone came and they, it would be like a good fit chemistry wise and they wanted to join the team, like I'm good with it. I don't really care. Um yeah. Yeah, I'm not worried about it either way. We didn't chat on the podcast after Berlin, but let's kind of unpack a little bit about that and just explain to people what exactly happened there. You were 
fit going into the race. You hit the halfway point, 63.45, made it to 30K, and then stepped off dealing with like some stomach issues. Were you able to figure out exactly kind of like what happened? And then where, where do things go from there with just kind of that fitness build where you were on 207 pace for a lot of it? Yeah, I was um I was feeling really good through, you know, 25k as well. Uh, so it was pretty disappointing to not be able to finish. But um, I think we got down to the the reason um, I had to drop out because uh, so at, those who don't know at 29k I got like a side ache, stopped real quick to try to stretch it out. I was still on 207 high, 208 low pace, feeling good other than the side ache. Uh, got going again immediately threw up and then i tried to get going again because i was like okay like i can still salvage the 211.30 and my like hamstrings and glutes cramped immediately and like i could barely walk and so i just sat down on the curb and waited for you know one of the cars to take me to the finish line uh so it was very disappointing but um you know ultimately like like i didn't drop out because of my fitness and i wasn't like hurt so if it was kind of best case scenario for having to drop out obviously that's not what you want um, especially like traveling that far and, you know, Joe traveled to Berlin and my wife was there and my agent was there. And it's like, that just sucks to feel like these people flew all the way, um, to Berlin and you couldn't, you know, couldn't get it done. Uh, obviously that's not how they felt. They were supportive and understanding, but that's sort of how I felt. Um, I feel like what happened was. Previously, I was taking like one gel every 10K. So I'd go start 10K, 20K, 30K. Um, and in the Berlin buildup, we were trying to get more and more carbs on board. Um, so that, you know, there's just feel like it would be helpful. Uh, and so I didn't space out the gels, I think, correctly. And I took too many in too short of a time and the body kind of rejected it. So I've worked with the people at Nike. Um, we've I've been experimenting with some other products and uh, experimenting with different like fueling strategies, both before the race and in the race. And I feel like we're a lot more dialed now and I can get more carbs in a more sustainable way. Um, yeah. And uh, the tables at Berlin are really weird where like they have a million of them. So you're not set on every 5K. So I ended up having like, 9k 16k 22k 27k and then threw up so that's like as much as i was taking in the previous marathons all in uh like less than 90 minutes you know and i just those three back to back to back that you know they weren't staying down they came up so um we figured out a way to get more carbs in uh stretched over the whole race a little bit better nice then after the race, like, did you, did any part of you want to like potentially turn it around and, and go for another one? I know you had like abandoned dunes on the calendar and, and some golfing to do, but you know, there was, I went back and I looked at like comments on the Instagram. It's like, well, then you're risking going into the trials without the standard or whatever it might've been. I, I don't know. Like, did the body feel like you could have potentially chased another marathon? Maybe. Maybe, but not Chicago could, wouldn't have been ready for Chicago. Um, like, you know, 30 K is still like 30 K at under 208 pace is still really hard on the body. It's still like quite the toll. And plus you've got 
um, you know, transatlantic travel and you have just tapered. So do you pick it up? Like you still need to run enough to callous the body, but the, you've just done the hardest workout of a build and like, frankly, gone harder than you're supposed to in a build. So I probably could have, like, if it would have been make or break, like this gets me into the Olympics or this doesn't, I probably could have turned it around for, I mean, I definitely could have turned it around for like a Valencia or. Yeah. But then you risk Orlando, right? Yeah. Then we're not, then we're not, we're cutting into preparation for Orlando. So, um, yeah, I mean, I even probably could have been ready by New York, but that doesn't like really do me any favors. Uh, and at that point it was like, we were kind of like, or I was like, uh, I would rather go into the Orlando build feeling fresh than go into the Orlando build tired. Maybe we got, we improved our situation a little bit, but ultimately like, you know, ultimately my ranking is not bad. It's not horrible. And we felt like we were in a good enough spot um, where we can just figure it out at the trials. Before Boston, you did the U S half marathon championships, nothing before Berlin. It is, you know, very much Joe's kind of approach with both you and Emma. It's just like, all right, it's all in on the marathons. No more of these like USATF road race championship off distances sprinkled along the way for this Orlando build. Do you feel good, I guess, about like going in with that, with like no solid sort of temperature check, you know, from a race? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Um, you know, I haven't loved racing and buildups before um there are some reasons to do it before boston we kind of wanted uh we wanted to put a race in the calendar so that we could be sure to do some sort of like under pace work a little bit earlier in the build and having a race in the calendar meant we had to do it um but that was sort of an anomaly and in, in the past we haven't done a ton of racing leading up to rate uh, marathons and um yeah it's just not that not that important to us and um I don't feel like I need it anymore. Um, and I would rather just stay in Boulder and train and not have those distractions. Was it hard for you? I guess like when you see Emma run Chicago comes off of it, hurt have to pull out of the trials. I mean, now it's like, this is a teammate you've spent like two years with, I guess. Like, how did you process that news? Yeah. I mean, I was really bummed for her. obviously like, I think she's shown over the last, you know, few years that she would have been a favorite to make the team the Olympics only come around every once every four years, I guess from my perspective, I was kind of thinking about it. Like, obviously the thing I'm mainly thinking about is being sad for Emma, but like, like I get why this is the case. Like I get why, uh, we will be remembered for the Olympics that we make and how many teams you make. And that's sort of a binary thing. That's how people remember, um, remember people who are in sports, like Charles Barkley never won a championship. Um, you know, Dan Marino never won a championship and that's sort of the moniker that goes with them. And, uh, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not begrudging that, but I think that that when you look at yourself as an athlete or like really anyone who's in kind of a spotlight where there's a binary metric like that, you, you don't think of yourself in those terms, or at least I don't think that it's good to think about yourself in those terms. Um, I think Bates has had, like if Bates's career for some freak reason ended now, like she would have had an incredible career, like something that anyone should be proud of. And whether or not she makes the Olympics doesn't really change that in my mind. And it, I don't think it should change that in her mind. And 
I think for the people in this sport who are the healthiest and who are in it for the longest, like those failures don't, um, I'm trying to avoid the cliche of like those failures don't define you, but it becomes like a side part of you as opposed to um, who you are, which I guess is exactly to say the same thing as saying they don't define you. The presenting sponsor of the Sidious Mag podcast is Olipop. We've been pounding Olipop for months now, and our gut health has never been better. We all know the trepidation that runners have had for years about drinking soda. Olipop calls itself a new kind of soda. It's a delicious and healthy alternative whether you're a runner, a fitness enthusiast, or just someone who wants to make better choices. Olipop is the perfect drink for you. Olipop is a low-sugar, low-calorie beverage that is packed with prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports digestive health. It comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cola, strawberry vanilla, lemon lime, banana cream. My favorite flavor is Tropical Punch. Sidious Mag podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders while using code Sidious25 at checkout on drinkolipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and other retailers. So the next time that you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Drinkolipop.com, code Sidious25. One thing that sticks out, too, about just how different you've sort of been in this approach to Orlando is just how quiet you've been, at least like on Instagram. We know LeBron, other athletes, they go zero dark 30 on people on social media. First off, we miss you and we miss all of the the updates. But what have been the benefits of doing that and being, I guess, purposeful about just literally blocking out all of the noise? You still get a healthy dose of it in a group chat that you're in with with me and, and with Kyle. And that's where you get your little bits of oh, what's the latest start time controversy and all that stuff. Yeah. But you've gone you've gone dark on uh, on it. Also, we, we put out a memo saying like, all right, any trials talk, we got to kind of move to another place now because it's getting a little <laughs> close to the race. So we're, we're thinking about it. All right, thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, it hasn't been like that purposeful. It's just like, I don't, I don't really like feel the need to share a bunch of stuff, you know? Um, Real G is moving silence like lasagna. It's sort of been what I keep telling myself, um, of late, you know, it's like, let's just do the work. Let's just be as ready as we can on race day, come in feeling good about myself. Like, don't feel like, I don't want to feel like I have to prove anything on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I'm just training to be ready on February 3rd and good or bad. Like I'll tell you about stuff afterwards, but, um, in the, uh, in the lead up, I've found kind of like, it's a little less stressful to just be quiet. In the buildup to Boston last year, you said you never looked at the starting list to see like who was in the field. This time, this time around, you obviously don't have to do that because you know who's an American, who's qualified, and there's no surprises. But, but actually, like, how do you size up the competition for this one? On the women's side, like I look at it, and I think there's maybe five or six women with a real strong chance of, of making this team. Yeah, of course, like the field is so much bigger. On the men's side with, you know, various variables and scenarios in play, you're among the top contenders. How many other guys do you put into that, you know, uh, into that category? Mm, I don't think you can make a tier list that well for the Olympic trials. 
Uh, like historically, there's always been someone who runs the race of their life at the Olympic trials. Um, last time it was Jake. Before that, it was Jared. Um, you know, Brian Sell comes to mind. Like, there's always someone who comes out of nowhere. So if you're going to tier the the list, like you're going to be wrong. Like someone's going to come up from tier three and make the team probably. Uh, I don't think that it's that important to for me personally to fear it or to like think about who people are or what people are doing. I have my opinions about a lot of different runners. I'm not going to share them all here. Um, and I think that it will take a very good race to make the team. I don't think I'm in a spot where I need it to be the race of my life. And I don't feel like I'm putting the pressure on myself or training. Like this is a do or die. We need to take a bunch of chances. Um, yeah, I think, we've trained the same way we've trained for Boston and New York and Boston and, um, and Berlin. And, um, you know, I haven't lost to an American in like two years other than dropping out of Berlin, uh, which counts, you know, it counts. I did lose to some Americans there, but, um, but other than that, you know, it's been a while. So I feel good about where I'm at. Everyone else is going to bring their a game. I'm going to have to bring my a game. Um, and, I'm going to have to race to win. I don't think you race to get top three. I think you have to race to win and the top three will be um, a consolation prize. If you, if you race aggressively and fearlessly. All right. I'll, I'll refrain then from running through, through some hypotheticals of like, Oh, if this person goes like, what are you going to do? Cause I, I, I could tell like, that's not the sort of like mental exercise you want to you know, try and play around with. But one of the things that you wrote also, I'm going back to before Boston because it, it did kind of give me, a good glimpse into sort of the mental headspace you were in that has benefited you at these bigger races over the last like two years. But one thing you said was like doing the work doesn't have to be a grind. I worked really hard, just if, just as hard, if not harder than before the spring. How about this time? Like, have you been working even harder than, than that? No, I was sort of thinking about that the other day. Like it's easy to say, like I've worked harder than I've ever worked before, but like, I've, I don't feel like I've ever really gone into a race feeling like I left something on the table. Like our process is really good. Like we've worked, we worked really hard for Boston before that we worked really hard for New York before that we worked really hard for Boston and we're just going to work really hard. We're going to make the good, the right choices. Just, I don't feel like I've held anything back in previous builds. So if I can live up to the standard that I find acceptable and the standard that I've set for myself in the past, like that's probably going to be good. You know, I've been pretty good for a while. So, um, barring like, a, like other than a couple blips had a lot of good races. So, uh, if I feel good about where I'm at and I, if I feel like, you know, in the past, maybe I've tried to convince myself that I feel good about where I'm at, but if I authentically feel good about where I'm at, then that's great. Like I'm, I'll be happy with that. The next line in that caption was, but I also had the most fun I've had in a block. Mm -hmm. How about this time? Yeah, it's been up there. Even while you're yeah doing, I guess, all this sauna stuff, like is that a part of it, like new fun or maybe not in the moment, but you're just like, all right, this is different. Yeah, but even in the in the moment, it's still fun. Like, um, like not fun, like going to the bar with your friends and having a great night, but fun, like like I feel like I'm doing something special. Like that's fun too. Um, you know, like after my like hot doubles, right? I'm the last one in the gym. It's like usually dark when I get finished up and when I shower and stuff like that. And I'm driving home and it's like, uh, that feeling of being 
you know, the last one out of the gym, driving home in the dark, like really feeling like you went through a hardship despite like I lay in a hot blanket and watch TV for 45 minutes. Like I, it's not that hard. Like I didn't work a 12 hour shift. Um, I think that can still be, that's fun too. You know, feeling like you're doing something special, feeling like you're working towards something like that is fun. Um, and not everything has to be a sacrifice and not everything has to suck to be uh, good on the other side, which like, I think five years ago, my like cynical self would call me a pussy for saying that, but that is how I feel like right now, you know, it, it doesn't have to suck to be good. You're a man of great TV and, and movie taste. So when you do have to watch, you know, something for 45 minutes, what do you, what have you been watching recently? I've been working. I never watched Entourage before. So I'm watching Entourage all the way through right now. Um, Aisha got me, Aisha Lear got me started on that. Um, I'm a big Jack Reacher fan. So I've been keeping up with that on Amazon. Uh, we watched the Mission Impossible recently. Um, and then the NBA play or the NFL playoffs have been pretty good too the last few days. Um, it's been like zero degrees in Boulder and snowy. So uh, a lot of time on the treadmill uh, watching my parlays lose. I guess is a little part of this buildup, not necessarily like selfish in the sense where like the team boss gym turns into this really hot room. There's obviously other people who have to use the sauna as well. Did people walk in after one of your sessions and be like, oh man, it is so hot in here because it, it was after your turn or how have you guys balanced that side of things where it's like, all right, this room is just going to be hot through February. Yeah. Um, well, it's really only hot when I'm like, when we're doing a workout, we don't keep it 80 degrees, like 24 hours a day. Um, okay. So we just tell like, we've been lucky uh, for the most part, we've had really good weather. So we haven't been forced to kind of use the treadmills all day. Um, so not many people have been subjected to the hot boy hours, but, uh, but yeah, that, you know, we've shared some hot boy doubles with some people and I think they get it. Like it's not, I don't feel like anyone feels like it's a sacrifice. Everyone knows it's going to be hot in uh, Orlando or probably going to be hot and humid in Orlando. And we've got a lot of uh, really, really like driven type a people on the team who would do like the same thing or more if they were in my position. So I, I don't think there's been any like animosity about it. Um, and then in terms of like sharing the sauna blankie, we don't do that. That's gross. <laughs> that is gross to share a sauna blanket or you're just, sweating your face off for 45 minutes at a time no 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 you everyone has their own if you've got a sauna blankie it's your sauna blankie we're not sharing that shit <laughs> amazing um one thing you said uh in this interview with kyle almost two years ago uh that stayed with me is i think the key is having more faith in myself now than i've had in my career so it's like when you have that and find that how do you then build upon that? Like, I know race results help because it, you know, it helps sort of validate everything, but how do you build that faith within yourself? I think part of it is innate. Part of it is innate. I'm a, I'm a confident guy. I would say the faith in myself comes a lot. It comes from the work, you know, not necessarily the results so much like Berlin was a horrible result, but that didn't shake my confidence. I think you just have to have conviction in the work, right? Like you can't, be not sure if the work is going to be good. Uh, you have to really believe a hundred percent that I'm doing the right work for me and we're doing it at the right times and we're doing it in the right ways. And that's, I think that's where my faith comes from. And ultimately like 
when you lose that, you have to make a change. Like that's, I think before I left NAZ elite, I reached out to a number of people just to get their like opinions on things. And one of them was one person I reached out to with Maryelle Hall. And she was like, the most important thing you can have is conviction. And when you lose your conviction, it, the sport takes too much energy and it's too hard to make up for not believing in the work you're doing. And once I felt like I needed to make a change in terms of the work I was doing, I, you know, you have to, if you're not a hundred percent in, you might as well be a hundred percent out and being a hundred percent in, uh, comes from work. It comes from results. It comes from just feeling like I'm playing with a full deck of cards. You dropped a Candace Parker quote on Instagram once. And has there been anyone else who recently has said something? I mean, that was fairly deep that, has resonated with you not to preemptively have you burn a future Instagram <laughs> caption on the podcast. After Berlin, um, our sort of our assistant coach, Nick Harris texted me. And I forget the exact quote or who said it. I think it was some sort of Eastern proverb, but like the only thing you can, you're guaranteed is the opportunity to do the work. You're not guaranteed any results. Um, you're not owed anything. So that's, I guess that's sort of been something that stuck with me is like, not feeling like entitled to being one of the top three guys in the trials and making the team, like just feeling like the only thing I have control over is the work is really, I think what has been sort of in my head a lot. No, I think it's perfect. All right. Final questions. We still get the occasional burrito update or rating on Twitter every now and then has consumption changed all that much in this marathon build. I would say, consumption is certainly not at its all-time high but it's still high like i'm still a burrito guy um you know we've been moving a little quieter um i feel like it's been i like to i still like to shout it out if there's like a really good burrito that deserves um deserves mention it deserves honor uh it deserves recognition um and frankly we've had a lot of 10 out of 10s 11 out of 10s 12 out of 10s. And I'm, I don't feel like I need to break my silence for an 11 out of 10. Like when, after the trials, when we find a 14 out of 10, a 15 out of 10, like I'll, it'll be on blast. Y'all, y'all know. <laughs> uh, so have you scouted any spots potentially for Orlando? Oh, not at, not in Orlando. If I make it all the way back to Portland before I find a good spot, I know where the, you know, like I can I can stay strapped in Portland. Like I know where to go. You know, Beto's, uh, La Panaderia, uh, Tienda Santa Cruz, um, Burrito Express, King Burrito, Boulevard Tacos. Like we can we can find a fourteen out of ten uh, in Portland if we need to. Like that's you know that's sort of last case scenario. Perfect. All right. Final question. How much inspiration are you taking away from this dude who ran 259.12 at the Houston Marathon this weekend? Oh, it's huge, man. It's huge. Um, it's, uh, you know, impossible is nothing. <laughs> I just love the fact that uh, we had people glued to their tracker. Um, and yeah, the reception to it has been really nice. But just the odd mix of like professional runners being happy for me. And I'm like, you guys could do this like as it's a cakewalk for you guys but for me it took a while so i'm glad it's finally done and i'm hoping you get your 
bright shining moment in Orlando. So uh, let's hear about it. Like, don't, you know, like, don't leave everyone hanging. I just did a whole recap podcast with, with, with Allie. I let her take the reins and like guest host. I know you, I know you wanted to do that, but uh, no, it it, it was good. I, you know, banked a little time and let myself die a little bit at the end. And, you know, (laughs) that's a strategy, not the smartest approach. Yeah. Uh, Positive split this one. Uh, But it was, it was good. Uh, That, that celebration at the end, not rehearsed, uh, was definitely just pure emotion exiting my body. Um, But no, yeah, now I can, that's all training for, you know, Orlando shakeout jogs and whatever might be happening. For sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's, let's play a game then. Would you rather, like, let's say you hadn't run sub three, like, would you rather have a sub three or a sub five? Oh, this is a good question. Um, I think sub five. Uh, I think that's right. Because sub five, if I do sub five, it would give me the confidence. I know I could probably break three later on, but, and I have, I feel like I've fallen short more publicly in the sub five attempts. Like marathons, like it's only been a couple times. Yeah. And I haven't really blown up and had too many big stinkers. But with the mile, like, yeah, the Gladwell mile. It was rough, dude. <laughs> it was way off. Yeah. I mean, that one was billed as not just a duel, but also a uh, a sub five attempt. That sub five attempt went out the window the first 200 meters. And so um, I think I'm I'm excited to get back on the track and, and give that one a crack next. Looking back at your previous sub three attempts, like what do you think you did wrong previously? I just think it's New York is... Yeah, so different of like a thing. It's like a big thing to do uh, than Houston that like you don't have to go all the way out to Staten Island mm-hmm. to start the race and then just hang out there for a bit. And like this one, yeah, I left my hotel at six, six o'clock, was in the corral by 645 and often going by, you know, at seven. So um, it was flat. It was easy um, until it wasn't at the end. But no, I mean you you've run the half there. They do a great job hosting that race and you know, it's not the most scenic or, or the biggest crowd support, but you know, if you're there on a mission to to run fast, it's the perfect place to get it done. Yeah. Uh no, I agree. I think Boston and New York are like by far the best experiences of a marathon. But if you want to like run a fast time, like you should it you should not leave to go to the start line four hours before your race and just sit around, you know, like you should just like running Chicago or Houston or like, um, trying to think of another one in the States, like grandma's where you can just roll up and then go is way better. It's way better. Not to, you know, compare the two of us and what we do at major marathons to be all that similar, but like for you guys running, going to a press conference, going to sponsor, you know, expo booth appearances or, you know, all this kind of stuff. Us like doing preview shows or podcasts or attending the press conferences, like that's a lot of time on feet. So like, yeah. you know, this time around there was none of that. And I think that played a big role uh, in helping me get to the starting line relaxed and uh, just on a mission. It was a business trip. For sure. I put it on the Sidious Mega MX. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, that's yeah. what like you're, you're justifying it. Like that, in, that Instagram post is doing numbies. Hey, 
It's 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 might be doing the best numbies of the the whole weekend. Some people may say, yeah. <laughs> uh all right scott i appreciate you jumping on and, and doing this uh and i'm excited to to see you in in orlando uh all this work you've been putting in in the shadows without any instagram posts i know it's going to be good and it's going to pay off in the end thanks man oh one more thing yeah i've been shocked and disappointed that no marathoner from like a hot climate has posted an instagram with the caption of like you know, I was born in the shadows. You merely adopted it. Like that Bane quote is literally perfect. If you're a marathoner who was like born in Florida or Texas, like what are we doing here? If we're not even using, you know? Oh man. It's a, the biggest missed opportunity that's, that's been out yeah. there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm still got a couple more weeks. I wonder who's, it's definitely not gonna be Galen. Galen's not on Instagram or anything like that. So no, I'm and curious. we need, we really need, it needs to be someone who was, who grew up in a hot weather climate georgia florida the south texas like even hey i mean uh kenya but then you know became an american that sure, counts too that does yeah. yeah if it's if it's <laughs> hot and humid enough then i think you know we gotta someone's gotta do it someone's gotta do it and it can't be me it can't be me i don't no. i adopted it so uh <laughs> yeah like i'd love to see that instagram caption i thought of that the other day and um it's just it's disgrace. up there for the taking it's a disgrace yeah. yeah that no one's used it Perfect. Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.